It's Wednesday, November 18th, 2020. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And I know Chet's got something up his sleeve here, but Chet, the Eagles came out of the bye week with a chance to extend their NFC East lead and laid another egg against the Giants. We talked new Sixers jerseys last week, so we'll have a little Flyers jersey talk this week. The 2021 Baseball Hall of Fame ballot is out. There's some interesting guys on that. The Sixers made some serious noise today with a trade on NBA draft night that could lead to more. And we will discuss that there's big trouble in Happy Valley as the Nittany Lions fall to 0-4. Uh-oh. <laughs> Yeah, Bill, it was not a great weekend for people like, you know, me, <laughs> an otherwise proud Penn State alum, as well as a lifelong Eagles fan. Uh, thus, my new look. This is what I decided to go with for my look last night around midnight after a couple of uh, eggnogs with rum. So it seemed like a good idea at the time. I don't know. <laughs> well, I tell you what, the first thing we're going to do, Chad, is we've got the man that's going to sort out this Eagles mystery with us tonight. In Inquire.com's Paul Domowitz is going to return to Philly Press Box Radio. So, Paul, let's welcome to the show. Let's get this bag off of Chet's head and let's do it quick. What's going on with the birds? <laughs> hey, Paul. Uh, well, here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to take this headgear off, but you have to explain to us how the Eagles can play as poorly as they did on Sunday after going two weeks since their previous game and getting some guys back healthy, and they still look like crap. How's that possible? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it took it took a come from behind uh, effort the last time they played the Giants. So I guess it's you know, the, there's not that much difference talent wise in those two teams. So uh, you know, the Eagles just right now aren't a very good team, uh, even with people getting healthy. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, you know, they they got a five games starting Sunday that are going to be uh, tough to win any of them. Well, Paul, the, the, obviously the first question that nobody knows the answer to, and you probably don't either, is why do you go for two when you're down four in the middle of the third quarter? What I, I like Doug Peterson's aggress, aggressiveness, but that one makes no sense to me. Yeah, it didn't didn't to me either at the time. Uh, you know, you could have been – you kicked the extra point, you're within a field goal to tie, and you miss and still, a, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, he didn't give a clear answer. Uh, always points to analytics. I don't think he understands. Uh, he just listens to his analytics people who tell him this is what you're supposed to do, uh, which is a bad way to run a business. Well, in your piece the other day, Paul, you detailed five reasons the Eagles lost to the Giants, one of them forgetting about the run. Now, Doug had that exchange with a reporter on Monday with you know Doug touting how much they did run, but it was actually just 19 rushes by backs, not the 50% that he was sort of implying. Now, even though they did have success running, they could have run Boston Scott more. He's had success against the Giants in the past. Why is he so stubborn about the run? I have no idea. I mean, Boston Scott had, you know, after that 56-yard touchdown run, he did not carry the ball uh, again the rest of the game. Uh, you know, Miles Sanders finished the third quarter with 14, 13-yard runs and carried the ball just uh, four more times the rest of the game. One of them was on a third and 18 when it was basically a throwaway play. So, you know, uh, 
it's just the way, you know, that's his mindset. Uh, it's never going to change. You know, this year, I think because they're playing from behind so much, he feels even more compelled to have to throw the ball. Uh, their run play percentage is as low as it's been since Doug took over in 2016. But, you know, I mean, when your quarterback struggling as bad as Carson is right now, uh, and you can run the ball, and they could run the ball last week against the Giants, I don't know why you don't just keep pounding it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Carson Wentz, and certainly we have to talk about him. Uh, I, I kind of feel like, Paul, and, and jump in here if you disagree, for sure, they, they're kind of in a, in a awkward position with him in that there's so – you know, we know he's turning the ball over too much with the fumbles. We know he's trying to press and push the ball down the field and making bad decisions. But I think I, – I thought some in this game, it was almost the opposite. It was like he didn't want to make a mistake. And he did – you know, now all of a sudden he reminds me – and maybe I'm pushing this a little too far – reminds me of a young Brett Favre who was a gunslinger who made some of the most god-awful plays. But at the end of the day, he made plays. And to me – you don't want to take that aggressiveness out, but you can't keep having the turnovers either. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of things going on there. Uh, you know, one, his his accuracy is probably as it's at an all-time low, uh, and it's hurt his confidence, and so he's afraid to make some throws. And I think right now, you know, they've got – I think a lot of these young receivers are going to be very good at ultimately – Right now, without a spring to have worked with Carson or preseason games to have worked with him, there's not a lot of chemistry or trust between him and them. Um, and, and so he's, uh, you know, I think he's afraid to, to kind of let go on a lot of these plays unless it's a downfield throw where, you know, the, he doesn't really, I mean, worst case scenario, it's like a punt. Uh, but, you know, I, I asked today, uh, asked Doug about that first, remember that third and three on their first possession? And he tried to hit uh, uh, Jalen Rager on a it was it was a a, a, a rub play uh, and he was open for a split second and Carson kind of hesitated and it looked I mean to me it looked like you know he just didn't wasn't confident enough to make that throw when you had to make it and you know Doug put the blame on the receivers saying that they didn't they didn't carry out the you know, the pick uh, properly and the Jalen didn't run the route properly. So I don't know if he was being kind to Carson or, or you know, being accurate. My guess is the truth is somewhere in between. I'm guilty, Paul, of listening to too much sports talk radio sometimes. <laughs> and after every single loss, particularly those when Carson Wentz is subpar, people will mention the name Frank Reich. How much of Wentz's early success was tied to the presence of the former offensive coordinator, and does he miss him maybe? I mean, Frank is, you know, one of the best offensive minds in the game, so I, I think he definitely misses him. Uh, you know, but, but, I mean, I have a problem and have had a problem with their whole their whole offensive staff and the way it's arranged right now. Uh, you know, they fired Grow last year as offensive coordinator. They chose – not to hire a, a, a just bring in a new offensive coordinator, I think partly because no good offensive coordinator would take the job and not have the play calling duties, which Doug wanted to keep. So instead, they brought in a whole bunch of people with different titles, senior offensive advisor, senior offensive consultant. They made Press Taylor uh, 
part quarterbacks coach and, and mainly the passing game coordinator. So Carson really has no one that's with him constantly that's, that's, you know, is, can put his foot up his butt when he, he needs a foot up his butt. And I think all of that's hurt Carson. And I think it's hurt his development. Hey, Paul, I'm going to throw up a question here that one of our viewers put in there and ask Paul is, is Carson better out of the pocket? The West Coast option, which Doug Peterson was reared at. What do you think? Thanks, Big John Roberts, for throwing that in there. A uh, question we ask Doug constantly. Why isn't he getting him out, out of the pocket, especially considering the problems they've had with protection? I mean, their they're two guards that they went with on Sunday were just horrible. Matt Pryor does not belong in a starting lineup. Neither does Sua Opeta. Uh, they just got beat mercilessly. And, he, and Jason Peters uh, – Jason Peters – Jason Kelsey had his worst game of the season. He struggles with big uh, defensive linemen that, that line up over him, uh, and and that that you, you saw him struggle. That was one of the reasons for a lot of the bad snaps. Uh, so I mean, the, the solution is get him out of the pocket. He throw, you know, I mean, you can go back to that brunt, to that throw to Miles Sanders last year in the end zone when he was on the run, almost out of bounds, and fires a rocket to Miles for a touchdown. I mean, so he, he's very accurate uh, when he's when he's out of the pocket extending plays. Why they're not doing more of it, I have no idea. Again, I think it goes back to the whole makeup of their offensive staff right now. Uh, some somebody's uh, seems to be uh, pushing against the idea and wants him in the pocket. And I think Carson, he seems to want to be in the pocket, yet he's got no. Um, Pocket awareness. He's he's you know you watch Tom Brady in the pocket. He's got no speed whatsoever, but he knows how to take two steps and avoid a rush. You know he just has that instinctive feel for how to buy a, another second. Carson doesn't have that, and uh, it's you know he's a he's a fine runner. He's big body. You know kind of got that Ben Roethlisberger body, but uh, you know he can't avoid a rush when it comes to just buying a split second and he hangs onto the ball too long. So, yeah, I mean, they should, they should be getting him out of the pocket as much as possible. He kind of, uh, Doug indicated today they would, you know, they, they, they did it a little bit more Sunday and will probably do it more of it going forward. Um, you know, time will tell. You mentioned the old line and that leads me to my next question. Why is uh, Peterson, so unwilling to put Jason Peters back at right guard, which was the plan and, you know, go with Jordan Mailata at left tackle. They were seemingly going to go that way after Dillard got hurt earlier this year, but yet he's insisting on sticking with Peters on the left and putting a Matt Pryor, who, as you said, can't really play or uh, the other guy who played on Sunday at guard. What's going on there? Well, Football teams are, are, are kind of like a bunch of different states run by governors. That's not <laughs> that's really not his call. I mean, he leaves the defense to, J, to Jim Schwartz, uh, which is why I don't think I've asked a question about defense to Doug in five years uh, because he, he has no say over it. And with the offensive line, Jeff Stoutland makes the decisions who's out there. And, you know, I mean, Doug trusts him. And, 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 it's, and it's Jeff who is – yeah, he loves J Jason Peters. He refuses to admit this guy is done. Um, and, you know, they, they, they signed him, though, to, to play guard. When they had to move him outside, he, he uh, I mean, he's, he's done okay. But, again, 
you're if you're looking at the product as a whole, you'd be in a much better shape moving him inside if Malata can do the job on the outside. Now this week, I probably wouldn't do that because Miles Garrett's going to kill whoever's out there. I think Jason mm-hmm. Peters is going to be in for a long, long day. And, you know, that wouldn't be good for Mulata's confidence. And they're getting Isaac Samalo back this week. So that should help the offensive line a little bit. He'll be back at left guard, which kind of – that'll be as, as healthy as they've been since maybe week two when Isaac first got hurt. So, you know, there is some hope from that perspective. Well, Paul, you, you mentioned the defense. You mentioned Jim Schwartz. Uh, Schwartz. They weren't very good either, in my opinion. They no. they did regroup there a little bit later in the second half, but they were not very good. Those two dry opening drives just killed them. I mean, uh, you give up 14 points uh, on your on their first two possessions, uh, you, you know, and you have an offense that's struggling and, and can't play catch up. Uh, kind of puts you behind the eight ball. And on that first on those first two drives, you saw what they don't do well, kind of rear its ugly head. They they, they gave up the, the long touchdown to the quarterback on, on a read option. And they also struggled with uh, stopping Wayne Gallman on the, and Alfred Morris on those first two drives. Now, they worked that out later. Uh, after that, uh, Gallman and, and Morris were non-factors. But then Daniel Jones started uh, – I mean, they, they were putting a pressure on him, but they weren't quite getting there. And he was making some throws that – made you think that maybe the, you know, the Giants aren't so dumb after all in drafting him. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he they, they had good coverage on a few plays, uh, particularly in the fourth quarter, those back-to-back long throws down the field. I mean, the coverage looked pretty good. He still put it right where it needed to be. And, and those, those, those long, those long passes killed them. Paul, last winter, I said, there's no way Alshon Jeffrey is back with the team this fall. I'm wrong. He's still here. Barely. More or uh, less. Yeah, I know it's largely a financial decision, but why not just move on from him now? And for that matter, the always injured Deshaun Jackson, too. Just put those guys in the rearview mirror. Question we ask, too. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. You know, they tried to trade him, but, I mean, he's untra- he was untradeable. Yeah. Uh, but why not just say that, you know, there's the end of the bench. Uh, we'll call you when, you're, when your contract's up. It, it makes no sense, you, especially since you're taking playing time away from uh, your young kids. Uh, he played 18 snaps, I think, on Sunday. Uh, One target. Targeted once, no catches. Meanwhile, John Hightower, who a couple, you know, until a couple of weeks ago, had kind of been an integral part of their offense. I mean, they were throwing a lot of deep balls to him. Uh, uh, you know, he was – they weren't completing a lot, but, I mean, he was clearly – I mean, the kid's got some talent. I think he's going to be a decent player. He plays three snaps on Sunday. So, I mean, it just seems like a waste. Uh, but I, I don't, I'm not sure why they, you know, somebody felt that Alshon still could help them. I don't see that happening. Hey, and with all this said, and Chet with a bag over his head, the Eagles are in first place. Go figure. Mm-hmm. They're in first place in the East. They still control their own destiny. I don't know if they can win any of these five next five games, but they could still win the East at maybe six wins. Um, is that possible, Paul? I think it's going to take seven. Uh, you know, I looked at the Cowboys and the Giants' schedules. I didn't look at Washington because they're Washington. <laughs> uh, and the, Gi- the Giants have some tough games. They're going to end up with at least 10, probably 11 losses. But the Cowboys, 
I mean, the Vikings are better right now, so next week's game against Minnesota is going to be tough for them. But they really only have one more game that's tough. Uh, so, I mean, it's possible they could finish 8-8 eight and eight, uh, or 7-9. and nine. So, you know, I mean, my feeling's been that the, the Eagles need to finish 7-8-1 and one to win this division. Um, and that means, you know, they, they finished the season with Dallas and Washington. Okay, well, let's say they can win those. They got five games before that. They've got to win two of these next five, and none of them are, uh, you know, they're not going to be favored in any of them. So, I mean, but, so, you know, but, but again, you know, this is a team that played Pittsburgh and Baltimore tough. So they're going to be healthy at least. Maybe Carson Wentz gets, uh, you know, finally turns it around. Uh, you know, who knows? But right now it does not look promising. Well, they do have Cleveland this week there. Uh, the Browns, I think, started as a four-and-a-half-point favorite, but I think it's down to three-and-a-half or even three in some places. Uh, how do you see this matchup? I know the Browns have a great running attack, but uh, do the Eagles have a shot? They have a shot, uh, but they've got to stop Chubb and they've got to stop Kareem Hunt yep. for starters uh, because if they don't, the, the Browns will just run it all day. I mean, they, uh, they'd be happy to – you know, have, have this be a ball control 40 carry game and win 10, seven, uh, what the Eagles need to do and, and, and what they haven't been able to do all season is, is grab the lead and make them play catch up where they've got to throw the ball. And, and, you know, they, without, uh, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry's got rib injury, a rib injury and is playing like at 50, 60%. They don't have a lot of weapons. I mean, Baker Mayfield's certainly capable of, throwing a couple of picks if, uh, if, if you can make them throw the ball. But, you know, right now, I think in five of their nine games, Baker Mayfield has thrown the ball 10 or fewer times in the second half because that's the way they want to play it. They, they, you know, they want to play old-time football right now, and they've got two running backs to, that are certainly capable of doing that. You know, the, the Eagles are – their run defense statistically is horrible. They're like 26th in the league right now because they've given up so many yards to quarterbacks and to wide receivers on misdirection plays this season. They've done a good job on running backs. So, but we're going to, they've never faced except for Ezekiel Elliott, who didn't have an offensive line in front of them. They really haven't played a good running back this year. So now they've got, they're going up against a team that's got a, a terrific line and two terrific and hard to tackle running backs. So, but if they can stop them somehow, they can win this game. And and that's exactly what worries me in the Jim Schwartz philosophy of not having linebackers. This yeah. is not a week you don't want to have linebackers because you're going to need them. You know, I go back to uh, before Schwartz got here uh, and Andy was still here. They they ran the wide nine with uh, Jim Washburn. Right. And, you know, we, we always asked, you know, when you spread your defensive lineman out, linemen out like that and just have them come after the quarterback the gaps are so huge for your linebackers and 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 if you have good linebackers that's a tough enough task you know this is not a good group of linebackers and so i mean this team has to be very sound uh run fit wise on on sunday they've got to protect every gap and if they do that and tackle well you know they've got a chance but you know that's a lot of ifs Paul, I have two final questions for you, and this could be a tough one. I don't know. Who is the Eagles' MVP this season? Wow. <laughs> uh, see, I guess Jalen Hurts is out. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even talk about uh, him. Brandon Graham, without a doubt. 
Okay, I had I had Travis Fulgham, Brandon yeah. Graham, and the punter Cameron Johnston. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say Brand- Brandon's having the best season of his career at 32, and yeah, you know, I-, I hope for his sake because he he wants to get 10 sacks so badly, uh, you know that he that that happens for him. And my right. my second question I have for you though is uh, if the Eagles do finish five ten and one or God forbid four eleven and one, is it possible that any heads will roll? Well, I mean, the big question is, is, will the quarterback's head roll? I mean, his future is not definite here, guys, Uh, you know, especially after the season he's had. I mean, you know, I thought it would take another major injury for them to – I mean, that's why they brought Jalen Hurts in, uh, A, to be developed as a backup quarterback, but also to consider as a possible replacement if Carson gets hurt or they don't – they decide they don't want to – go forward with the rest of the guaranteed money on his contract, which I think kicks in in like 2022. Well, right now he's playing so badly. Uh, it's, you know, he's got to play at some point here. If he doesn't turn around this season, going into next season, he'll be here. He'll start, but replacing him with Jalen hurts will be on the table. Wow. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you was about Jalen hurts. You pretty much covered my question. Uh, that surprises me a little bit, I guess. Uh, but they drafted him for a reason, so I guess that, that's all part of it. Yeah, you know, I think we'll see a little bit more more of him at some point here in the in the remaining games. Not as not replacing Carson, but they've kind of hinted that at some point they would like turn over a series to him. Hmm. You know, just change a pace, get Carson off the field rather than move him over to wide receiver in that wildcat and just run the option or run. I mean, I mean, I'm one of the few people that thinks Jalen hurts can play. Uh, I do. (laughs) I'm on that train. I mean, you know, people think he's not accurate. He's a, he he completed 70% of his passes at Oklahoma in the two passes he threw. You could see that he can, he can fling the ball. I mean, uh, and, and, and they, you know, deep down Howie Roseman really likes that kind of football. I mean, it's, it, you're seeing more, you're seeing Kyler Murray, uh, you're seeing Lamar Jackson, you're, you're seeing a lot of guys in this league and, and the success they're having with a running quarterback. Now, Carson can run, but, but not that kind of running where you would uh, make it part of a regular staple of his game. Well, it's, it seems like if you're going to move on from Carson, whether it's this year or next year or whatever, the NFL, as we've seen this for years and years, lots of egos involved. To say, hey, we we kicked the can on the on this pick some years ago, and we're ready to cut bait. That that's a tough decision to make. Yeah, it is, especially when you consider what they gave up, the trade up for him. I mean, I don't. I'm not suggesting that they're giving up on him. I'm just. I just think they're keeping their options open right now. I mean, worst case scenario, Carson Wentz turns it around or has a great season next year and goes on to play here as the starting quarterback for the next ten years, and they've got. A pretty good backup, you know, a dependable backup quarterback for four years. Um, that would be, you know, that, that that'd be fine with them. Then they could trade him or whatever, They'd get a get a pick for him when he becomes a free agent. Uh, but I think they feel protected if things don't turn out with Carson or he suffers another major injury. All right, all right. Well, Paul, we are out of time. We certainly appreciate you coming by, join us. Always great stuff, and uh, let's do it again. And we're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Thanks for having Thanks, me. Mama. All Take right. Care.
Hey, Chad, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we got the spot for you. All-state insurance in Westchester, PA. Yes, we do, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an all-state insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what is most important to you and your family. So give Dave a call today. He's at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 610-430-0700. Once again, that number, 610-430-0700. Now let's see if I can uh, find my video clip, Bill. And I cannot. I do not find my Merrill Reese clip. So we were going to have Merrill come on and say, you know, you're listening to Bill and Chet, and it's good, it's good. but I can't find it. So <laughs> let's right. just get out of this and go back to you and me. All right. Well, hey, Chet, as we said uh, in the opening, Baseball Hall of Fame ballot is out. Some serious Phillies taste in this ballot. Uh, Bobby Abreu, Scott Rowland, Shane Victorino, Kurt Schilling, Billy Wagner are all on this ballot. Uh, so you and I are going to pick our 10 if we can get the 10. Tonight, any thoughts on the Phillies before we get started with this little event? Well, hey, don't forget AJ Burnett was a Philly for a year, also in 2014. Yeah, he was. He went a a less than awesome eight and 18, so I can understand. Yeah, maybe it was forgetful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Uh and the only ex-Phil who has a shot, I think, is Kurt Schilling, Scott Rowland, maybe to a lesser extent, but I don't see it. And Schilling probably deserves to be there, but you know some of the wackiness that he's exhibited over the last few years is going to be enough to convince some voters not to put a check by his name. So that's how I see it. I think Schilling's got a shot. The other exfils do not for now. Okay. Well, let's give, uh, let's give your top five. I'll give my top five. Then you'll do your bottom five. I'll do my bottom five. Let's do it. Okay. Now what I'm going to do right here, you can't really see these unless you got a big screen there, but these are the 2021 nominees that I'm showing. And it shows that Kurt Schilling last time got 70% of the vote. You need 75%, of course. Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds also were reasonably close at 61 and 60%. I think those three guys are the most deserving. I know you got to consider the performance enhancing drug situation with uh, both Clemens and Barry Bonds. But, you know, before all that happened, those guys were obvious Hall of Famers. I think it's time to say, yeah, you guys, you know, were kind of cheating a little bit, but you're also both pretty darn good players, or you were in your day. So I'm going to say Schilling, Clemens, and Bonds should get in and would get my votes. I'm going to give you two more to get to five, but I can't give you a second five, Bill, because I I just really can't. There's no other clear-cut Hall of Famers. But number four for me would be Gary Sheffield. Because uh, I looked at his numbers. He's got some very good career numbers. And number five, what the heck, Scott Rowland. So there you go. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, let's, now let's get it right, okay? Because that wasn't right. Kurt Schilling <laughs> is a lock. He should be a lock. He's the only guy, I believe, still uh, that is eligible that has 3,000 strikeouts who is not in the Hall of Fame and he's got 3,116 strikeouts. He's won World Series a couple times. He should have been in. His numbers match Halliday's, except his are better than Halliday's. So Schilling is in. Number two going in, Todd Helton. Todd Helton, uh, 12 times hit 300, career 
316 average, 2,519 hits, 369 home runs, uh, three gold gloves. Todd Helton is at the top of my list. Hmm. Omar Vizquel. No. 2,877 hits, Chet. Uh, 11 gold gloves, a 272 career average. Now, you say no. 2,877 hits. Ozzie Smith, 2,460 hits. Uh, Vesquel, 272 average. Ozzie Smith, 262 average. Gold gloves, Vesquel, 11. Smith, 13. Okay, we can go with that. The only difference is All-Stars. Smith, 15-time All-Star. Uh, Vizquel, three-time All-Star. But there was a guy named Ripken playing in the American League through most of that time. Omar Vizquel, 24 years. Almost 2,900 hits. He's getting my vote. Hmm. Uh, Billy Two Wagner. More. Billy Wagner's going to get my vote, too. Thought about uh, him. 2-3-1 ERA for his career. Uh, 422 saves. Five years, Chet, his ERA was under 1.72. Five years. And only in his one time in his 16-year career, did he have an ERA of over 2.85? Now, he only won 47 games. He's a closer. What are you going to do? But as closers go, Billy Wagner was pretty darn good. And when you keep throwing up uh, one 1.72 ERA or below, that's pretty worthy. And your fifth. And well, my fifth and sixth, Bonds and Clemens, Clemens and Bonds. If we're going to start letting those guys in, they're in. I got no second five either. That was as far okay, as good. I could go. Good. Hey, one other thing while we're talking about this, Bill, um, I wanted to mention that our pal Frog, Mark Carfagno, has organized a rally that's going to be held tomorrow. And there's the information for our viewers. It's a rally to support Richie Dick Allen. They're saying rally for Richie because his glory years, you know, we called him Richie back in the mid-60s. And the rally is an effort to convince the Golden Days Committee to reconsider the decision to postpone its December meeting for a full year. So that rally is at noon tomorrow, Thursday, at 20th and West Moyamensing. There will be guest speakers and a bunch of people coming together to support the Dick Allen Belongs in the Hall of Fame campaign. Because, as you and I know, he certainly does, Bill. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Chet, I think it's time to play a little music. All right, let's see if I have that one, because my other one disappeared, but I'm ready for this. It is time to welcome Edge of Philly Sports Network's Freddie Burns back to talk fantasy football. Uh, but, Fred, two things before we get started. One, we were going to talk about the Flyers jerseys, our retros, that, since we talked Sixers last week. But the Sixers made a deal this afternoon that we probably need to talk about. It's draft night. My thinking is Al Horford and all those draft picks, including a number one for Danny Green, means there's something bigger coming and it's going to be a bang. It could be that could be because Danny Green is flippable. But the main thing is getting out of the the Al Horford contract yep. because we had him for the next four years, twenty seven million each year. Uh, the last year I think was fourteen mil. And now you get Danny Green in here who does spread the floor, play defense, and can contribute and fit better. But on top of that, he's done after the season. 15 yeah, one year. year. He's gone. So now your players in free agency next offseason, that, that's an option. 
And now you have a, a guy that can be traded to other teams that they would actually want because they would go off his, their cap. So there's options here. You know, you can flip him to the Sacramento Kings now, bring Buddy Heald back. Now the Kings are more inclined to do that deal because now um, Danny Green's off their books and now they can tank or, or do whatever they want to do. You know, it just provides options. It's almost as if Sam Hinky is back in control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the Sixers do give Oklahoma City the 34th pick in uh, the draft, which is happening tonight. Um, but they keep their 21st pick, and that's important because, uh, you know, the Sixers may draft somebody right there. They may move up or down or include that in another big trade. So we shall see. Yeah, well, they, they gave up to the pick in 2025. You know, the first – yeah. I, I was fine with this year because to get rid of Horford, I thought they were going to have to give up two first-rounders, and just eat whatever player they got back. And the fact that he did what he did is, is awesome. Yeah, one, fi one final Sixers question. Does this clear a path for Harden? Is Harden in the mix now uh, that they, they've got some flexibility? The thing with, with players in this, in this NBA is they determine where they go when they're stars. So, like, yeah, he could come here like the um, Raptors got Kawhi Leonard, but then Leonard was gone the following year. So unless you have a commitment that he's going to be here for the next four or five years, which you probably won't because it sounds like he wants to go to the Nets, I, I it, it leaves options, but I wouldn't count on Harden. All right. All right. Let's hit that Flyers jersey retro thing. Uh, I kind of liked it myself. I thought they were pretty sharp jersey. What do you think? Yeah, they look great. I, I don't know how you, you can't like them. You got the orange and black. Aren't they reversible? Did I hear that as well? Um, but it, it just it's just a cool look. I don't know where you can not, how you can not like them. Yeah, I'm a fan. I like it a lot better than the Sixers jersey that they unveiled last <laughs> week. So I'm a True. fan of this one. Yeah, me too. And, you know, uh, Ed Snyder said, and he probably written down in forever as a flyer, that that crest will never change. They uh, can yeah, do whatever that. else they want to do with the jerseys, but that crest will always be the same. So I like it, but kind of cool. Yes. I, I love that he said that. And he, even even when the Sixers turned turned back to the, in the Iverson era, I was so happy when they went back to this, which was Ed Stefanski, a Bonner guy who made that change back. Oh, really? Huh. Yep. But Kevin, um, Kevin Stefanski's dad, by the way, head football coach in the NFL. There you go. The Browns this week. That's right. All right, Fred, let's get on to fantasy football real quick. What do you got? Uh, bodies are still getting hurt, but some are coming back. Well, you guys kind of segued it, or someone had a question last time. It, uh, Breeze was questionable last week, what you would do. And now he's out, and now you have Jameis Winston would be the number one quarterback to pick up because he threw, he threw a lot of interceptions in Tampa Bay, but he also threw a lot of touchdown passes. So if he has a three-touchdown pass game and three interceptions, that's 18 points minus three. You still got 15 points and probably 200 yards. So if you need a quarterback sure. – <laughs> James just don't, Saint, just don't take the Saints to win. Right. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so that's your quarterback out there. That's a gift. So go get Jameis Winston if, if you can. Um, he's, he has the weapons. So then move into running back position. It's still kind of a mess. Naheem Hines in uh, for the Colts had a great week. But, again, they like to mix up the running back. So I, I wouldn't jump on there. You got Salver in Miami who – Who's, who's going to play, but it looks like Gaskins might be back in a few weeks, so you could stream him for this week. Uh, wide receiver-wise, Jalen Rieger's still available in, in a lot. He, he's definitely going to get the targets. 
but it, it's getting slim. Tight end wise, uh, Logan Thomas is out there. Jordan Reed. I saw Zach Ertz on a few waiver wires because he was cut and he was on IR. Some thought he'd be out for the season. If you can grab him now and he's back in two weeks, he's definitely going to get the targets. So it, it's slim pickings here. You're, you're at a point now where you got to make a trade. Your trade deadline is probably this week or next week. So if if you have holes, you got to find ways to make moves. I made two trades today myself. Fred, I'm going to be nice and not not ask how Alshon Def- Jeffrey did on Sunday, okay? I'll be nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I have not given up on Alshon. But like Dom said and you said, he did have one target. It was I think, I think it was targets first, uh, Carson's yeah. first pass of the game. He was wide open, and he was missed by the quarterback. Now, the fact that he didn't get any targets the rest of the game would lean me to say – you know, don't throw, don't pick him up because if the target share is not there, it's not a good move. Get him out of here. <laughs> get him out of here. All right. So let's move on. Let's get to our predictions. How'd you do this week, guys? And uh, oh. uh, what it was not pretty. Came back to reality a little bit, didn't we? It was a dreadful week for both of us, Bill, unfortunately. Uh, Fred and I picked one game differently, and good for me. I got the W with that one. Detroit hanging on to beat Washington, getting a long 59-yard field goal to win it at the buzzer. But that was the only correct one for either of us. I was 1-3. and three. Fred went 0-4. Oh That's Ooh, a first. Bad. Now, the good news for Fred, he is still up by a couple of games. He's 27-14. and 14. I'm 25-16. and 16. Yeah, two games back. But, hey, Fred, we've got to do a better job. <laughs> I I actually flipped my pick right before that Colts game and bet on the Colts. So the money wise, I was good. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to this week's games. Uh, we've got the Bengals go to Washington to play the football team. The Washington Washington is minus two. Cowboys coming off their bye week. They visit Minnesota. Vikings are minus seven and a half. We tossed in the Packers at the Colts since you mentioned the Colts. Colts are minus two and a half, and the Eagles visit visit Cleveland. The Browns are minus three and a half. So, Fred, who do you like? Bengals at Washington. The football team is minus two in this game. The football team is favored. I like Joe Barrow. He start to tailor off a little bit. They have a good defense. They can get to the quarterback. I'm maybe I'm putting myself in a hole here, but I'm going to take the Redskins here. They're favored for a reason. I think it's a shady spread, and that's why I'm going to go Redskins. Washington football team. That would be uh, football on, team. man. Sorry. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I really don't do it on purpose. I just kind of go over my <laughs> Alex head. Smith looked good to me and he, you know, led them on a big comeback last week. I'm happy for the guy. I hope he does well. They're at home. Uh, Cincinnati's been inconsistent. I like Burrow also, but I'm taking the Washington football team as well. Oh, wow. Yep. The Washington football team's not going to win this game. Oh, I'm writing that down. <laughs> go ahead. Write it down. You're one okay. and four this year, Bill. Cowboys at the Vikings, Vikings minus seven and a half, and the Cowboys still stink. Yeah, they're just – they're awful. I, the Vikings seem to be getting it together, balanced offense, running the ball. They're favored by seven. I think Andy Dalton may be back this week, but even still, I'm going to go Vikings. I'm going to take the Vikings also. They're playing well of late, what, three in a row, something like that. Uh, Dallas still stinks, as Bill said. Minnesota wins. Hey, while we're talking NFC East, what about the Giants firing our offensive line coach uh, – <laughs> Yesterday, after getting in a not a, it turned out, I guess, not to be a physical altercation, but with the head an coach. argument with the head coach and got him the, the gate. That offensive line was playing, getting better. The Giants were getting better. Yeah, that well, was interesting. Well, they said Joe Judge the last few weeks has had to coach the offensive lineman at the head coach position. So that's kind of 
the improvement is because of Joe Judge. And I, uh, I was I was joking. That's what the, that's what the, all man, the, at least the beat writers are saying that that's part of the issue. Um, but what I thought was funny is maybe the Eagles could hire that guy they just fired to, to stop a running quarterback to show our yeah. D line where our weaknesses are. There you go. Okay, Packers at the Colts. Colts minus two and a half. Good game. Yeah, this this is a tough one. The Colts are a good football team, and they got a good head coach. Um, I'm going to go Colts here. I'm going to pick them. I went against them on here last week. I'm going to go with the Colts. And I agree. So we're you know picking the same games the same way. I'm also taking the Colts. It's going to be a close game, I think, but I like the way they're playing. And uh, Green Bay you know, struggled a little bit last week, so I'm taking Indianapolis at home. Okay. That gets us to the birds. Eagles at Cleveland, they are dogs that are Browns. They're dogs, them, they're dogs themselves. They're <laughs> terrible. But the spread's coming back their way. Um, I don't think the Browns are that good as well. I think this is going to be an ugly game, but I think the Eagles are going to pull this out. And Woo. if not, they lose close, obviously. So I'm going to go the Eagles by one. Let's say 21-20 Eagles. Wow. Now, this is one of these situations where we have a different pick, but I'm hoping I'm wrong because I think it's going to be a close game also. I think the Eagles cover, assuming it's a three-and-a-half-point spread, but lose a tight one. I have written down Cleveland 27-24. I would love to be wrong. Well, and I'm going to throw an opinion here because, you know, I always say about how these teams play with a little pride and suck things up when things go bad. I'm going with a pride game for the Eagles. I, I think they're going to step up and play well this week against a team that's decent, not great. Uh, I think the Eagles would certainly have a chance to win this if they play well enough. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go Birds in this one. I'm rooting for them. All right. Well, Fred, uh, before we let you go, let the viewers know how we can follow all your social media outlets, all the things you have going on. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at, at Freddie Burns and then Instagram and Twitter at Fred Hugo underscore and all my articles on EOPsports.com. And, of course, Wednesday nights at 9.30 p.m. on Edge of Philly Sports Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all that stuff. So thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. All right. We'll see you next thanks, Fred. week. Uh, Fred, well, we're going to let the cat out of the bag. We'll see you Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Yes, put us on your calendar. Tuesday We're going to get to that, but we're going to give you the heads up. Sounds good. Go, Bird. All right. Okay. Well, hey, Chet, let's give a shout-out to our partners over at Edge of Philly Sports Network and their shows. You can check out the Broad Street Bully Podcast. Drew, Jeff, and Doyle are talking Flyers hockey with some amazing guests and hilarious banner. Look at all those guys. Bird's IQ every Monday at 7 p.m. Live with Kyle and Eric Quint talking Eagles football. Edge of Philly Sports Live, as Fred just mentioned, Joe, Freddie, and Big Al cover four for four and so much more Philly sports. Watch live Wednesday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. You can check out all the shows at www.eopsports.com. Help us out by hitting those subscribe, follow, or like buttons, and always share with your family and friends. And, hey, Bill, i got to ask you something. As I put this picture back up, how many people are out there thinking – Boy, that's 10 good-looking guys right there. Oh, I, I bet you there's, there's probably <laughs> like buttons. Everybody's looking for their love button. 
to check those guys out. What do you think? Uh, yeah. That's a scary looking crew. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing missing is a guy with a bag on his head. <laughs> yes. Oh, shoot. All right. We'll check. Great guests tonight. Inquire.com. Paul Dolowich and Edge of Philly Sports. Freddie Yuga or Freddie Burns. Uh, we have the Thanksgiving holiday schedule. Let's talk about that. And who do we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, as you alluded to, Bill, since it is Thanksgiving week, we're going to move our show up a day to Tuesday. In case you've got to you know, get ready for whatever you're doing on Thanksgiving, you'll be free Wednesday night. So Tuesday evening, we have a jam-packed show for everyone. In addition to Freddie Burns making his weekly visit, we have two terrific, terrific guests for your viewing and listening pleasure. We're going to have Eagles Talk with a former bird for former Philadelphia Stars tight end, and the guy who runs Philly Man and Jersey Man magazine, talking, of course, about, let's see if he's there. There he is, Ken Dunnick. And because we'll have the NBA draft in the rearview mirror and maybe some Sixers free agent or trade news as well, we'll also be joined by longtime Sixers reporter D. Lynham. And uh, don't forget, Bill, you're cooking for all of us, so make sure you get that turkey going well ahead of time. I'll make a note as long as we don't have more than 10 people or six people right. or whatever today's rule. That's right. We'll keep right? it to just the, the four or five of us. Maybe what we'll do, Chen, is we'll have a little Zoom Thanksgiving. What do you think? There you go. All right. Okay. Let's take another quick break. Thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have 11 line razors, mystery boxes, and now a memorabilia shop. Be great at Christmas time. Check out their Facebook page. Like them or follow them. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room and PPCC 118 Raz Room Shop on Facebook. Well, Chet, we mentioned in the opening things are not going well in Happy Valley as Penn State went out to Nebraska, got behind early again and couldn't catch up. They're on four. If not for Jim Harbaugh, that James Franklin seat might be the hottest in the country. I'm not going to put the bag back over my head, but, uh, yeah, we are sad is what I said because it is a sad season for the Nittany Lions. I don't know what to say about them anymore, Bill. I did, unfortunately, get to see much of last week's game. They made the quarterback change, benching Sean Clifford, who's been disappointing this season, in favor of Will Levis. They've been outscored in the first half this year, 93-26 to through four games. That's not good. It ain't easy when you're always behind by double digits early. They are a minus six in the turnover category. And now they have a tough game this weekend against an Iowa team that's coming off two impressive wins. They could very well be 0-5 by the time we talk next week. Yeah, and they gave up that 30 points again. Uh, fourth week in a row, they gave up 30 points, not winning that way. And, you know, um, our buddy Keith Conlon, you know, uh, I was watching a little bit of the Goon and Ironhead show that he has up there in uh, State College. And, you know, I guess there's some real rumblings that uh, this team's given up a little bit. And uh, Goon's call was, if you don't want to play here, it's time to bring younger guys up and let them play and you go find the end of the bench. Uh, there's some real, seems to be real concerns uh, that James Franklin has lost this team. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, I know a lot of people would love to see him gone, as we've said the last couple of weeks. And, I mean, I know they're without their top two running backs, Journey Brown to the medical thing, and then Noah Kane who got hurt. But other guys have to step up, and they're just not doing it. So that's why they're 0-4. 
Yeah, and uh, you know the other thing is they the latest rankings that I saw uh, last week. So it's pretty current. They're thirty seventh in the country in recruiting. Uh, they did not finish well in recruiting last year. Uh, you know, it goes back to having the Jimmys and Joes. You know, you got to have the players, and if they don't have the players, that is only going to get worse down the line. They've they've got to right this ship, and they got to do it quickly. And when you're losing like this, that hurts recruiting because people are seeing this saying, ah, they're not that good. Why do I want to go there? The coach doesn't seem to be, you know, connecting with the team. So winning breeds recruits. And right now they're Absolutely. losing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's uh, it's not often that coaches at that level can lose teams, but it looks like things are not going well for James Franklin right now up there. Yeah. And, uh you know, I, I don't really know. I don't remember the details of his contract, except I think he signed one fairly recently or an extension. Yeah, extension, yeah. Uh, that he's got a lot of years left. And if it got to the point they were going to make a move, uh, it would be an expensive move for Penn State. Yeah, so I think they're going to just, you know, have to stick with him for a while and hope that he can get his act together and get the players to buy in again. Yep, yep. Well, we'll see. Uh, this trip against Iowa or playing Iowa is never easy and uh, in the best of years. And I was always got a good football team. Kirk Ferentz does a great job out there. So uh, we'll see. Hey, oh, and five would be really bad. Speaking of football, Bill, we lost another legend several days ago, Paul Horning, the great Packers running back and a pro football Hall of Famer. You and I, I guess, just saw at the very, very end of his career in the mid-60s. He missed out on that first Super Bowl title for Vince Lombardi's Packers because of an injury. He didn't get to play. But, uh, man, the Pack has lost a bunch of their great ones over the last couple of years. So, Paul Horning, the latest. Yeah, you know, there's only just a handful of that original bunch of Jerry Kramer and uh, Boyd Dowler, Carol Dale. There's, there's just a few of them that are still left. But, you know, uh, you're right. We didn't see much of Horning as, as we were a little young. But, you know, I saw so much of him on film because I watched so much of the Lombardi stuff over the years. And, uh, you know, Paul could do pretty much everything. And uh, and and Lombardi liked them to the point that Lombardi had special rules for, for Horning. It was, uh, oh, yeah. as you read in the different books, Paul got away with some stuff that most guys didn't get away with because he was indeed the golden boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you know, Chet, these guys got to stop dying, for God's sake. Yeah, because uh, that means we're going to be on the list someday, and I don't want that. I'm not ready to go. No. Uh, speaking of dying, Ivy League basketball dying. We learned uh, over the past week that the Ivy League and winter sports in general won't be played for the Ivy League. No college hoops there. Meanwhile, Villanova is number three in the college basketball preseason poll. No wonder Jay Wright had no intention of leaving the main line. Why should he? Yeah, well, there was thought that he, they were, could possibly come out number one in the preseason. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, they're they're loaded, and the thought is that this might be his most talented team. Um, you know, again, uh, with 2020 and everything that's going on, and, you know, it looks like Philadelphia high school sports is out uh, for the for the winter. Uh, does that – Villanova wants to be in the city, but they're really in the suburbs. They probably want to be in the suburbs today because they're still playing basketball while the city looks like it's going to shut down. So – uh, who in the world knows what basketball is going to bring as we go here? Yeah, let's hope they can get the season in because uh, with this year and the COVID, you just never know. Hey, I didn't watch any of the Masters over the weekend, 
But uh, Dustin Johnson, of course, won a record 20 under par. And I thought it was a good excuse to show he and his wife, <laughs> Paulina. So there you go, celebrating. And speaking of Paulina, she got a lot of uh, play over the weekend because she apparently is a good-looking woman. I don't know. I never look at that kind of stuff. Do you know uh, her? You know who her dad is, right? Of course, the great yeah, one. The great one. Yeah, Paulina Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky. Yeah, and her mom yeah. was a nice-looking woman in her day also. Yeah, she's an actress. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we are about to run out of time, aren't we, Chet? couple All other right. things I want to mention. Uh, the Marlins hired Kim Ang, a general manager, um, first woman GM, and another person who was willing to take a new job during the pandemic. You hear that, John Middleton? Come on. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting hire because the first thing a bunch of people might want to say is, what in the world's a, a woman? I mean, be realistic, right? What's a woman going to be doing as a GM? She's been in Major League Baseball for over yeah. 30 years. She's got a resume like no other. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's going to be a really cool thing to see how it works out. Uh, it's going to be interesting. With that said, Theo Epstein is out with the Cubs and supposedly wants to take a year off. Um, does he want to come to Philadelphia? Boy, I would love to see it. I mean, uh, the, the Sixers' new president of operations, Morley, was also going to take – Morley was also going to take a year off. Hey, if you can – make a nice pitch, throw some money the guy's way, do it. And that would get John Middleton back in a lot of people's good graces, I think, if he's able to convince a Theo Epstein, the guy who's won, what, three World Series with two different teams now? So, yeah, get on the phone and don't take no for an answer. Get Theo Epstein to Philly. Yeah, they, they've got – this organization's got to get something right. They need to do it quick. They're uh, <laughs> they're losing face pretty pretty quickly in this town right now I think. yeah hey i mentioned the philadelphia union last week they finished their terrific mls regular season way back on november 8th they had the best record in the league but this is weird they don't play their first playoff game until november 24th so that's when we're doing our next show so 15 full days off in between games working in their favor they'll have home field advantage throughout the playoffs and the union was 9-0 and at subaru park there in Chester during the regular season. And this is incredible. I don't follow the soccer that closely, but they outscored their opponents 24 to four in games at Subaru park. That's pretty impressive. So we don't talk soccer much, but here's wishing the union the best. And hopefully they'll have some good weather along the way too, playing soccer in November and maybe early December now. Yeah. And, and, you know, speaking of schedules too, uh, we, we can maybe talk about this next week because we're running out of time, but you know, the NBA is trying to figure out how to put a schedule together. The NHL has got to put a schedule together. It's already Thanksgiving. These leagues aren't in camp. They just finished. Uh, what's 2021 going to look like? And at the rate we're going, we're not going to have anybody in the stadiums again yeah. uh, through the through these winter sports. So it's going to be interesting. And I guess the Eagles have decided, or the city has decided that 7,500 people at uh, – uh, Lincoln Financial Field is no longer as well. Yep, no more fans. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Mike Barnes and others who got to go to a couple of games, hope you enjoyed it while it lasted. Yeah, Freddie, Freddie can, uh, you know, he told us about his trip. He could say, well, I was one that got to do that whenever uh, the world finally gets right side up again. Yeah. All Soon, right. hopefully. Yeah. How about a party shot for you tonight? Okay, Bill, you know, I'm a music guy. You know that, I think. Hard to believe, but it was 40 years ago this week, November 17th to be exact, that the John Lennon Yoko Ono album, Double Fantasy, 
came out. Here it is right here. John Lennon and double fantasy. He and Yoko Ono. And I'll tell you, the funny thing, even though the lead single, just like starting over, got some airplane, was well received. The album as a whole, when it was released, got mixed reviews at the time. At best, New Musical Express, in fact, called it a lousy record. I mean, to be honest, nearly half of the songs were Yoko songs, and there aren't a whole lot of Yoko fans out there. We know that. Uh, of course, exactly three weeks later, John Lennon was shot and killed in the archway of the Dakota, his New York City residence, and as fate would have it, that brought a lot more attention to the album. There were a couple of follow-up singles that did very well, Woman and Watching the Wheels. I loved that song. They were both hits, and Double Fantasy ended up winning the 1981 Grammy Award for Album of the Year, as it turned out. So in a nutshell, in my opinion, not the best album of all time or anything close, but the album and, of course, John Lennon certainly had an impact on music fans everywhere. There you go. There you go. All right. Anything else for you tonight? Uh, no, I'm going to get home, grab some food, and see how the Sixers did, if they made a trade or who they are drafting at number 21. A lot to watch there. And uh, next week, we'll talk to D all about it and have Ken Dunnick on. So a lot of stuff to soak in over the next six days. Sounds good. Well, let's wrap it up. Let's thank tonight's special guests, Paul Domowitz and Freddie Burns, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Room and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. Oh, Chet, one yeah. thing we did forget, just thought of. Don't forget to go to YouTube and check out the James Seltzer piece from last week that we put up there. It was cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We got a lot of good reaction to that, putting James Seltzer on the hot seat for some pop culture trivia. We had a blast. James had a blast. Check and it out on YouTube. Check it on YouTube. Like it. Follow our page over there on YouTube Please. as well. So for Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Tuesday night, November 24th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook. Listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts, as well as Apple Podcasts and others. Hi, Hope, Philadelphia sports fans, and stay safe out there.